Good afternoon. Hi. So we are now on episode... Is it 70? It is 70. <laughs> Sorry, we had several false starts. Considering this is our 70th episode, we were a bit slow off the mark. Well, not false starts, we've just had a very hectic day and normally our podcasts are about an hour. In the morning. Yeah. Unwillingly, a lot of the time. We don't intend to talk for an hour. Yeah, apologise to everybody <laughs> that listens. We like, frat long. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we but, do. Um, we've not had an hour that we could squeeze this in today. So, um, yeah, it's been kind of shoehorned in, in, in the middle of our running around today, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> so this is going to be a somewhat shorter episode today just because of the way our day is running. So, what are we talking about today? Well, it's Top 10 Tuesday. Um, so, the top 10 um, metrics that you should measure in your business. We've touched on measuring and the importance of numbers in other podcast episodes um so we wanted to kind of cover that off in one episode but these aren't your kind of normal typical metrics like uh, some of them are in there but things like you know um revenue and year-on-year growth and um i don't know some of the the kind of what I would say more boring metrics that you you get given. They're important. You have to do them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You need to know those in your business. But but these cover. <laughs> Sorry, can I just say something? What you sound like the scat man. Do you know? The, really? Do you remember the scat man? No. The guy that did the song where he talks really really fast and he goes and he goes scat man. Dude. No. No. Am I talking? You're That's right what there. <laughs> what I'm trying to make out is that you're talking so fast because oh, you're worried about time because we're having to squeeze the <laughs> podcasting. So. A, Chill. Well, it's not just squeezing the podcast, it's because this has been my, my kind of energy level all day. Yeah, that's I've true. Squeezing things in. Yeah, just do you mind me saying what we've been doing? Like, just why everything's got. So, things have been rather hectic here because we've um, we had an awesome. If you haven't listened to it, episode 69 with Amanda Fitzgerald was all about PR and all of that stuff. And um, if you're in business or in a startup, you need to go listen to that episode because it was great. She gave loads of tips and advice yeah. about uh, getting your getting your business out there and um, in national press and magazines yeah. and things like that. And it was an awesome interview, but the tech <laughs> let us down and we lost the audio, we lost the video, and basically that added. And I'm going all high pitch. That that <laughs> added in an already busy week. That that's added another ten hours worth of. Yeah. Me messing around trying to get all yeah. that stuff when we didn't have ten hours. Well, so. also it, it's um it's also the fact that we are networking a lot at the moment, which yeah. is great. Um, but that it, it's brilliant because that's that's how we're going to move forward, and that's what we very much advocate with people. But it is like a, a call here and a, and a Zoom there and a meeting here, and and it's yeah. it's and obviously. If, especially if you're part of a group of other people, you're not necessarily on your own schedule. Exactly. So um, you're kind of having to fit all these different things in along with everyday life stuff, like I had car stuff to do today and the kids and everything else. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's uh, been it's full a busy on. one. <laughs> yeah, it's good though. But this is the point of this podcast, right? Is to share the journey with you guys as well as try and help hopefully share some information along the way with you. But yeah, yeah so excuse the frenetic nature of this episode because <laughs> we are running at 100 mile an hour today. So, back coming to back it, to your point, <laughs> just go down from gear, whatever you're in right now, one one gear. <laughs> okay. Um, so, these are the metrics that we feel are the most important. As I say, aside from the ones that you kind of have to do for your accountant and your tax and your, mm. your business general health. Um, but these are sometimes ones that have kind of been 
maybe put to the back of the queue um, or haven't really just been thought about enough um, and should be right up there as, yeah. as the most important metrics in your business. So, Have you written these in order? I was about to say, no particular order. <laughs> no okay. particular Because I don't think there is a, any one of these that's more important than the others. I think they are all very important, whether you're starting up or doing a new project. Yeah. Um, Should we just ever all never order, so? No, because some of them are in order. Oh, okay. All right. Fair <laughs> but these are. All these right. are. So I will just eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Um, so conversion rate. Um, yeah. is obviously important um, on every yeah, aspect absolutely so um, anytime you run any kind of marketing um, you need to be aware of your conversion rate and so many people aren't so many we used to come across um, fellow business owners at uh, trade shows all the time yeah. that would be like oh well I gave out some leaflets today so and <laughs> yeah. what does that mean? How, how do you know if that person walks home and puts it in the bin or even just around the corner or if they call you if you're not measuring it in some way? Yeah, you've got to look <clears> at... <throat> so if you're engaging with your business, if you're doing something with your business, there's certain activities that are really just... Um, they take a long time before they get, get any traction, right? So, um, so fair enough, they're a bit more challenging to be able to analyse conversion rate. But... If you're going to a trade show or you're paying for digital marketing or magazine advertising or anything like that, the one thing you have to bear in mind all the time is, right, what's my conversion rate? It's not just conversion rate. Okay, well, how many sales did I get out of that magazine ad or that that social media boost that I did? Mm -hmm. It's There's a conversion rate you need before that, and that's the, well, how many leads did you get? And then before you get the leads, it's like, well, how many people engaged with that particular post or mm -hmm. how many people landed on that particular web page or and so for example we get a lot of magazines yeah um who have converted to um having websites like have their websites and they drive a lot of traffic to the website and we often get for smiley be photo be hire they'll come to us and say well okay look do you want to advertise on our website we get x number of hundred thousand visitors a month so yeah. you'll get loads of work and the first question we ask all the time is like, well, that's great. You get a hundred, say, say they get, I don't know, a hundred thousand in a month visitors per month. It's like on average, how many, what's the conversion rate of click throughs to an ad? So you get a hundred thousand. If I pay for an ad across all your, and they'll know what that figure is. And you'll be astonished to find out that it's a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage yeah. a lot of time. It might be like 1%, might be 0.1%. It could yeah. be anything. And that's the metric that you've got to, that you're paying for. You're not paying for the hundred thousand visitors. You're paying for well, what's the conversion rate of people that actually end up clicking ads yeah. on average? And then out of that number, what's the conversion rate of your web page that you're sending to? If you get yeah. hundred people, how many of those hundred will actually turn into a lead? And it can be based on anything. Um, so it depends on the outcome of your of whatever it is you're marketing, but you you know you might have a, a brand awareness marketing campaign. So all you really want to do is in, in, um, you know get more Instagram followers, for example. You're not yeah. actually on that occasion looking to make a sale. That's still a conversion rate. How many people have you got in front of that have then pressed the follow button or have commented or have like or whatever it is that you're measuring? But you always need to measure something. Oh, absolutely. I did an exercise yesterday. So. Um... One of the things that we've realized through doing this podcast is I was like, well, hang on a second. We're raising the profile of Smiley Booth Photo Booth Hire. We're raising the profile of Say It and of us. But there's also value in the content that we're creating for our audience, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's to work out things like their numbers in their business or whatever it is. And the penny dropped for us yesterday morning when we were just chatting. And I was like, 
we've got a load of people on LinkedIn that we're connected with that we haven't spoken to for ages that could probably use some of these tools and strategies right now that we're talking about. So I, I took uh, the steps to reach out to a load of people that I'm connected with on LinkedIn. Yeah. But in my mind, I, was, I still ended my mind, right, okay, if I reach out to X number, how many of those will turn into actual listeners? Like yeah. what's going to be, I already know how many listeners we already have yeah. on our podcast. So I can then equate to, okay, that activity, what's the uplift mm-hmm. to our podcast? And you, you can do it in a time way as well. So it mm. doesn't have to be if it doesn't work for you, you know, because um, one of the things we talked about in a podcast episode is delivering value in groups is a great way for uh, people to find who you are. Yeah. So it might not work for you to, to say, oh, you know, well, for every 10 comments, I get someone inquire with me. Yeah. It might be better for you because, you, you know, it might not be relevant that day. You only left eight comments another day. You did 14. Or so. It's You know, it might be better for you to say for every hour of my day I spend doing that, I tend to get however many people inquire with me or something like yeah. that. So it doesn't have to be a, um, a very obvious, um, you know, the amount of people versus the amount that come through. It can be time. Obviously, it can be money based, but you always need to be measuring something because otherwise you've got nothing to gauge it against. Well, once the great thing about when you tune into conversion rates, just generally, and you start you start seeing it in everything. And and some of the most successful people we know in business are all about conversion. It's like one of the first things they ask. Mm-hmm. It's like when they're being... they. Some of our friends, I mean, Siam Kid is one of these people, will get opportunities thrown at them all the time mm. because they're sat on a bunch of cash and people want, they're like, oh, do you want to invest in me or do you want yeah. to do this? And they get right to the point very quickly by saying, okay, well, how many, what's your sales that you're yeah. trying to look at here? Okay, how many people are you actually speaking to? What's your audience? How many people are actually interested in what? How many people do you need to be speaking to to get that outcome? Mm. And yeah, it's... If you don't un- if you don't understand conversion rates, you'll never get anywhere in business. No. And so many businesses, small businesses, don't even think about it. Right? No, no, exactly. Um, you know, they have very kind of good creative ideas, um, mm. but they're not measuring great customer service. Yeah. Great, like all, all, all of that. All things that you need, but you have to know the numbers, even if you hate numbers. <laughs> it's yeah. still something that you need to need to know and understand. Well, so, yeah, because once you start seeing a, an increase in conversion rate, and you start understanding what, so for example. Um, with our Smiley Booth Photo Booth Hire company, we were really, really hard on increasing the conversion rate of a very specific web page because the average web page converted 2%, um, meaning that everybody that lands on that web page, only 2% of them will actually turn into an inquiry. We worked really, really hard for years on this particular web page and we got it up to 15% conversion yeah. rate. So we knew no matter how much money we chucked at that, it, would, it was stable at 15% conversion rate meaning leads that we were getting out. And as long as our sales process was consistent, yeah. the it was just how much money, more money could we throw at marketing yeah, because and the that money was coming out the back end. really helped when we started to franchise because we had an idea of what people could do and should be doing. If they follow the strategy. Exactly, which, yeah. which not only helped us sell franchises, obviously because they're the questions people ask, but once we got a franchisee on board we had a measuring stick as to how they were doing. Well, we could see where the break was. Exactly. Yeah, because we, we we'd look at the web pages mm. and we'd look at the communications from the leads and we'd be going, they're doing everything yeah. that we would see yeah. and expect. Yet there's, but then the sales aren't being yeah, created. Exactly. So, and then when you pick up the phone to the individual that's running the franchise and they're like, well, yeah, I don't really tend to call them or yeah. I don't, tend to, I don't want yeah. to bother them. It's yeah. like, oh, there's your issue. Yeah. But it's how we grew. We took Smiley Booth, Photo Booth Hire and we... 
uh, we were in the UK, the uh, VAT threshold is like 80, at the time, I think it was like 82 or 83 grand or something mm-hmm. like that. And we took that business and we turned it into knocking on a door of 300 grand turnover within 18 months. Yeah. And that was entirely down to knowing that conversion rate. Yeah. Like we just kept, we Well, all sorts of conversion out. rates, because I remember that you used to do a big chunk of the sales calls and you'd, you'd end up knowing what to say. Yeah. Or the things that, that you'd say that would work with people over the what wouldn't or what explained it quicker because you needed to obviously get onto the next sales call because we were so busy and um, yeah, working out what works and what doesn't in on all aspects. Yeah, I'd say obsessing about conversion rate over every other number. Mm-hmm. Like if this was a list of one to 10, that, sh- that should be a top. Yeah. There you go, I'll go backwards then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so next one is lifetime value. Um, and people mm-hmm. mistake this for... Uh, businesses that only have regular customers, like yeah. a membership, or um, I don't, yeah, I suppose membership would be the key one. But I, I guess other ones like um, you always say about hairdressers, but again, you tend to go back to the same hairdresser, don't you? So that would be regular business. But you can do it for all sorts of things because yeah. we made this mistake actually, didn't we? Because we very much thought that most of our customers, this is a small percentage. This is for Smiley Boo. Yeah, for yeah. Smiley Boo. There's a small percentage that would come back, like, say we'd done their wedding and then they'd either have, I don't know, a sister's wedding or they might have, um, you know, had a child a couple of years later and they'll do the first birthday party. So occasionally we'd get a repeat booking from someone, but most of the time it was a one-time event. Yeah. But we realised that they do have a lifetime value because, one, we could push that second event by giving them, like, referrals to other people or a discount or something like that. Um, But also we could upsell along the journey that our customers were with us normally around 18 months was the average that people would book in advance, which was another thing that we measured. Yeah. Um, and in that time, you know, we could sell them different things like a, a nicer guest book or an extra hour or, or you exactly. know, all these different things. So they did have a lifetime value for us. Um, and, you know, they could recommend other friends in that time. There was all sorts of things that we could do. So knowing the lifetime of your value of your customer is so important because it then gives you an idea of what you can spend on your marketing. Yeah. So if, if a customer's lifetime value with you, for example, is is three hundred pounds, um, but the first thing they buy from you is a hundred pounds, knowing that their lifetime value is three hundred pounds, you know you can put more into getting them as a customer in the first place. Than yeah, if I mean, you that, only thought it was a hundred pounds. Exactly. I mean, we talked about a similar uh, principle in a previous episode where we talked about a hairdresser. Yeah. Where you can turn it. Where we were talking about how you can make everything memberships. Yes. And then if a hairdresser turned their service into a membership thing for a yeah. year. Um, they they have way more that they can spend on that customer than the hairdresser that's just waiting for somebody to walk through the door once once every six weeks or three weeks or whatever it is. And we're going to be talking to um, Ed about memberships in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's that's a good one. He's got um, 3D printing business membership service, hasn't he? Yeah. Which I would never associate the two. No, and he's got a lot of people that's in his his membership platform. Yeah. but the cool thing about understanding which numbers, which you just made me think about, is that understanding what numbers are important, what it does is it creates you, it, it, it makes you look at, well, what systems are in my business right now that are going to be able to give me that? So I had a great conversation with somebody we're helping, uh, a business we're helping at the moment who's based in the financial industry and, uh, and we're basically mapping out all their marketing strategy and systems and everything else in that business. And one of the things I was walking them through was their customer management system because mm-hmm. um, we're rebuilding all of that for them so that they can clearly understand what earth's going on with all of their customers, both new inquiries and everything else. And when we were like showing them this and I was going through, look, can you see how 
you're going back to what we talked about customer service and how you want to just you want to constantly wow your customer like how can I constantly take this customer on a journey and I was having that conversation with him and I was saying look can you see how that person has come for you for a say a a new mortgage for example Mm -hmm. if you have a customer management system that constantly gives you feedback about oh this person's only had this product and they're this age and they do this Mm -hmm. and they do that you can and and before I even finished the sentence he went well that person needs life insurance sorted out (laughs) and I was like exactly so your system will give you those feedback loops so yeah having having a good customer management service yeah um, system rather customer management system will allow you to identify well, what is the true lifetime value yeah. of my customers because you can map it all out because it also might be that that customer's left you for a few years because they've got their mortgage they don't need anything else yeah. or whatever it is um, and it's only at a later date that they need uh, life insurance or yeah. or house insurance or whatever it is yeah and before if you're listening to this or watching this and thinking jesus this sounds really complicated and there's no way i'm i'm just i don't even have anything like this built it's not the thing is, is to understand the concept. Yeah. These things are not built on day one. What happens is you understand what the vision is and you just build it brick by brick over time. That's why businesses have value. So yeah. people, why, why people want to build businesses, uh, sorry, buy businesses is because they don't want to do all that donkey work of years of working out well, what's yeah. the most optimum customer journey, what's the lifetime value and all this kind of stuff. And also, by all means, reach out to us as well. That's mm. um, smilingentrepreneurs.com, our website. It has our contact details. It's there for people to reach out and ask us questions if you need to or join our Facebook group where everybody is kind of asking each other questions and we obviously jump in there as well. Yeah, go to Smiling Entrepreneurs on the Facebook page and you can just join the Facebook group there. And um, yeah, we're just starting to build that group at the moment. And yeah. the idea is to be able to have one-to-ones with people and answer these yeah, questions. Exactly, these exactly. Um, and just continue the conversation from from these podcasts, really. You know, Agreed. just pick up something that's been an important you know something that maybe we've overlooked or um, misexplained or something and then people can kind of continue that conversation and go further in depth with it oh yeah gosh because we get that we're very things that seem like if you in your business something that seems obvious to you won't be obvious to somebody else you don't know what you don't know yeah yeah. (laughs) so um client acquisition cost customer Mm. acquisition cost is is similar lifetime is obviously over the whole time you've got a customer uh, or potentially got a customer and the acquisition cost is the cost to get them in the first place now lots of people see that just as um you know the cost to bring them in through um a facebook advert for example or um the cost of a trade show and how many customers that bought you and that's fine that's good um but what you you can also um kind of i'm forgetting where i'm going with this what you can kind of glean from that is um thinking outside the box a little bit in that if you've got if your average cost per acquisition for example across your whole business all the different things that you do is about 50 pounds a customer for argument's sake you know you can take that 50 pounds and move it into like more unusual things like if you're trying to get a a corporate for example oh so you're now talking about you're talking about how understanding your cost per acquisition um, allows you to be more imaginative and yeah. creative with your marketing strategies. Yeah. Because right? if, if your normal customer acquisition is £50 for a customer, yeah. but you know a corporate's going to bring you in like 10 clients yeah. or a partner or you know building a partnership with someone is going to bring you in clients every month from that particular source, yeah. then you know that you've got 
X amount of money to really wow that person or that company and build a slow relationship with them. A hundred percent. So, um, so Did you I, I buy... didn't explain that. Yeah, well. I'm just going to drill that down just a little bit more because because uh, I know what you mean. I know you know. What you mean. Um, um, so just to go, just to make that a little bit clearer. So let's. So basically, whenever you agree to sorry whenever you're deciding the price of a particular product or service that you're going to sell one of the mistakes that a lot of people make when they're doing that is they go oh well the average for the industry is a 50% markup or 100% markup and they use all of these like throwaway terms and people just go oh well that's an appropriate income to make out of the sale of this widget right or service now what they don't factor in is there's a marketing cost Okay, to acquire your customer, right? It's not, and and you need, you always need to build in a marketing cost to acquire your customer because otherwise you won't get any customers, right? You can't always rely on you, you personally walking around and, and selling to your own personal network of friends and relatives, right? So you're going to have to spend money in some way, shape or form. So let's just say you have a widget that costs five, that you want to sell and it costs you, 150 quid just I'm just making this really basic but 150 quid to to actually produce this widget well to actually sell that widget you might have to use really expensive method methods right you might have to have be seen in the right on the right websites or the right magazines and everything else so it might mean that it costs you 100 quid in marketing just to make the sale of that 150 quid item. So it's like, well, Jesus Christ, okay. So before you know it, you've got 250 quid that you've got to build in to the sale before you even break even, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so now we're not even talking about cost delivery, or any profit for yourself or anything like that. So effectively that 150 quid widget might actually be something that you sell for 500 quid, just mm -hmm. for argument's sake, just to have it all delivered and done and everything else. Now for the, the person out there, for the, the person that aren't, isn't, isn't necessarily tuned into their numbers. They think, Jesus Christ, 150 quid for a widget and you can sell it for 500 quid, that's ludicrous. But it's not ludicrous, right? Because now you know, right, okay, out of all my costs, I'm gonna make X amount of profit out of that 500 quid sale. It's not just the cost of the widget, it's all the other costs, including my marketing costs. And I'm prepared to spend 100 pounds to get a customer. So if it's on paid ads, if I do Google AdWords, for example, I know that if I get X number of leads, uh, I'll convert two sales out of every 10 leads I get. So, and those, so, and that'll cost me, out of those two sales, they would have cost me 200 quid in marketing. Done, right? Really simple, basic stuff. However, if you move the, if you then say, I want to change that to a different platform, like mm. I want to, I want to go do a trade show. And I, and this trade show is going to be full of people. I've managed to get in for free for this trade show, for example, and all the people there are my perfect customers. Well, it's like you already know that you're prepared to spend up to £100 per customer to make them a customer. So it's like, what can you do on your trade show stand yeah. to give them, to make them a customer for 100 quid? So it might be something ludicrous. It could yeah. be like, like if it was a... Um, I don't know, if you're at a wedding show and you're selling photo booth hires, it could be like, well, okay, I'm going to give an enormous bouquet of flowers to every new booking I get, yeah. right? A hundred pounds worth of flowers to every new booking I get at this particular show. Like, your, the stat, your competitor at that trade show would be going, <laughs> what the hell is this person doing? But the, your potential customer at the stand would be like, Jesus Christ, I've just been given this massive bouquet of flowers 
for booking this this photo booth hire or whatever it is or whatever you're selling. And you can do that all the time. You know what your cost per acquisition is, what well, you're prepared to spend per customer. And yeah. I'd say and if you know both your cost per acquisition and your lifetime value, oh, yeah. that's really powerful. I mean, that isn't going to come straight away. Obviously, if you're a new business, you don't know your lifetime value and you don't really know your cost per acquisition. Um, it's something that you can get an idea of from looking at competitor stats yeah. um, and, uh, you know, just kind of the, the general talk on the street as it were for your industry um but it's not something you're going to really know for a while but but when you do know it or if you build your business model around it you can afford to to take a dip to kind of come out the other side and, yeah. and some um and that's what a lot a lot of software companies and subscription-based models do so if you take um giant examples like netflix for example um uh, before when they were love film when it yeah. when they used to send off the dvd and it was what I don't know, nine ninety nine a month or something yeah, like that, wasn't like it? it? Yeah. yeah. Um, they they were in this for the long, long game. Yeah. The, uh, they went way under for years before they kind of came back out because they knew that the streaming process that they do now was their long term goal. Yeah. So they so again to make that, that like in basic numbers, let's say that they realised that wow, each customer is actually worth six hundred quid to us because we know that once they're on board. They'll probably be with us for five years because there's just nobody else out there. Like if we if we hit the market really hard, we're going to hold a customer for a minimum of five years. So okay, well, what are we prepared to pay? Well, we're prepared to pay three years yeah. worth. We are prepared to buy that customer with three years worth of subscription. So we'll pay three hundred and sixty quid yeah. to get a six to get a five year customer. And but they're only getting nine ninety nine a month. Yeah, yeah. So it takes them those three years before they even come out the other side. And that's how all businesses that you see just grow yeah. really aggressively. It's because what they do is they go, Okay, what's the lifetime value of the customer? Right, how much am I prepared to pay to get a customer? Right, okay, marketing funnel works. Let's just chuck more money at yeah. the top end. And that's why you see these huge businesses go out for these huge numbers of investment. Yeah. Because they know they're going underwater for could be a year, could be... We talked to one one uh, software company and they went underwater for nine years. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus, that's a long Amazon time. I think Amazon was around 10 or 11 years. Yeah. Um, but, but, I mean, obviously that's that's for uh, the big boys a lot of the time. And, um, you know, this podcast is very kind of small business and individual businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, and that's very common in the kind of software industries. If you're thinking, oh, that's really not my kind of business and, oh, hell, I can't afford to go under for several years, which yeah. is absolutely fine you can still take that principle and we we did that with smiley booth um we our cost per acquisition was around about 50 pounds wasn't it our tolerance it was about 75 yeah, yeah. between 50 and 75 and um and we knew that if we took that to a hotel or a wedding venue and got on on their on their good side so that they referred customers to us yeah that was really valuable for us because year in year out they would refer customers to us so we could we could take multiples of that 50 or 75 pounds yeah. and spend it on just wooing them basically exactly. you know just trying to be top of mind with them make sure that we're the first person that they think of yeah. um and and just continually knock out on their door with like unusual uh, lumpy mail we call it so things in the post yeah. or you know all sorts of things um making sure that we were paying to be in their magazines or at their wedding show or whatever it was well i see it as a big mistake when you you see these you see we've met plenty of them small businesses where they build these fantastic relationships with 
referral businesses where they're constantly they 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 got these individuals in these businesses that are constantly giving them business and in fact i know a, um, a good friend of ours who referred a huge amount of business to a business and that business never even said thank you they just assumed that that was the premise of their relationship mm, right that. and that in and that but he knew the value of what he was giving and and it wasn't about money for him he yeah. was saying if, but his point was, if I was any external player, if we didn't have the relationship we had, if I was an external player, I'd have made a lot of money out of that deal. Yeah. But And all I'm asking for is a thank you, and they've not acknowledged it. And you see it all the time in yeah. small businesses where they're growing, they're growing so fast and they don't acknowledge referrals as a legitimate... They do think of it as a legitimate way to get sales, but they don't see it as a legitimate source of expense for their business and it should be mm -hmm. they your referrals are should be paid every referral you get should be if it's not directly because that person's like oh i don't want any money from you it's all right this is just a, i just i really like what you do then make something like pocket the money like store up the money and then hand it in an experience for them yeah, like, yeah yeah make it a big thank you because that'll just keep reinforcing that chain yeah absolutely so that's your cost per acquisition um on a similar vein actually referrals and referrers um so obviously what we've just discussed can be a referral partner looking at partnerships but um in terms of numbers it's assessing where you're getting your referrals mm. from um you know are there people out there that are consistently referring to you that you, you don't even know of um have you got affiliate program and if you have who are your top affiliates um and if you listen to any of russell brunson's stuff his a huge part of his success has been through affiliates yeah. and he says you know a lot of people kind of treat their affiliates with or you know how little can i get away with paying them or like little commission he's the opposite he's like how much can i pay these guys because exactly. they, they bring me so much business yeah so working out who um refers to you is is huge yeah and there's two ways to do that ask the customer yeah. when they become a customer where did you come from like how did you find out about me and also going back to the customer management system again like make sure that you've got a customer management system in place so that every time you know exactly where that person's coming from, you make a note of it, it within that customer management system so that when it does come to your monthly review of how your business is doing or whatever it is, you can easily go filter it and see, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, we had 10 sales just from that one person over there uh, that was referred from that one person. And yeah, and again, going back to what I said just now, rewarding them. Yeah, Don't... well, and referral schemes, because again, in Smiley Booth for the... Um, uh, venues we used to have a little um card didn't we like um yeah. like a starbucks or costa like a coffee card where if they'd given us a certain amount of bookings yeah. they, they could like stamp them off then we'd do their own christmas party or whatever it would want yeah. whatever they wanted us to do for free um so we obviously had to factor in the cost of what it would cost us to get a photo booth there and pay staff exactly etc for the free event was that worth it in terms yeah. of the referral but it, it very much was because we knew our numbers yeah so, and we had a follow-up process with it we were managing it and that's yeah. the trick it's the and we've been guilty of this in the past where we come up with these ideas as you can tell we're constantly talking <laughs> about business and marketing ideas it's very easy to go oh we should try this and try that and then you do it for a week and then you don't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Or for maybe the month or yeah. whatever it is. And you have to, whatever strategy you decide upon, you have to put the system in place, agree the timeline it's going to run for, yeah. and then stick to the plan. Yeah. yeah. And realise the longevity of it as well, because mm. um, we started that kind of card thing. I, I can't remember the exact details now, but something like 
the tenth event was free. Yeah. But we brought that right back to I think it was the sixth event was mm. free because we realised it's not necessarily just about getting those five events. It's what those five events bring you, exactly. and those and you've got to realise that you have this knock-on effect. And make referrals really easy for people to do. Yeah. Not just by incentivizing it, but just make it easy. Make your publicity and stuff easy for people to share and and pass on, and and so that they're not thinking, oh, what was that person called? Yeah. And you know, make it easy for people to share. Yeah, don't get into the realms of oh, what's the rules on and all of that nonsense. It's like just do it. Just yeah. get it out there. Make it really simple so they can just tick a box, hand over their mobile number or email or whatever. Yeah. Done. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, traffic, 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 traffic. <laughs> Traffic's obviously huge, and it, if anything, it, it should kind of be number one. I might knock your conversion rate off. No. Only because if you don't have traffic, you don't have a conversion rate. If you don't have traffic, you don't have a business. Um, everything else comes off the back of traffic. And traffic doesn't necessarily mean website traffic or online traffic. It can be footfall, not at the moment, in the middle of lockdowns, but it yeah. would normally be footfall, um, numbers coming through the door at a trade show, um, all sorts of things. But you need eyes on your business in yeah. order to do everything else. So a lot of the, there's a famous saying, I can't remember who who said it now, but um, they said, you, you know, you, you don't have a sales problem, you don't have a such and such problem, you don't have a, you have a traffic problem. Yeah, and, yeah. That's, and that's normally what people have. They just don't have enough eyes. And we've realised that in Say It. God, yeah. Well, this goes back to what we were saying the other day on an episode. You, you only have you only have two avenues in business. You either have to, you either have an audience that want to buy your stuff or you have a shit ton of, excuse my language, cash <laughs> where you can buy the audience. Yes. Like, so you, you have to... When you don't have either of those things, you've, you've got to build it in some way, shape, or yeah. form. And we're finding personally in Smiley Booth, Photo Booth Hire, and in Say It, that we're doing a lot of donkey work. Mm. Like in the previous years, in fact, every year up, up until 2020, uh, everything was just online and automated. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, system, let's just scale it out and let's just use the systems to just get touch as many people as possible. And then we'll work on just tweaking this and tweaking that. And then what we've learned since 2020 is bootstrapping mm. and the fact that, oh, actually, there's a lot of work we have to do ourselves personally on on getting ourselves out there and, and shaking a lot of hands, not literally, but well, and knocking on a lot of doors. It's so. also interesting, I think, the different business models, because with Smiley Booth, we had, although it was very similar to say it. Um, so for those of you listening to us new, Smiley Booth is a photo booth hire service that we started um, at the beginning of the photo booth craze. We saw it in America and brought it to the UK. We were the first, if not one of the first photo booth hire companies in the UK. And then we franchised it. So we have franchisees and say it has come about this year as a result of the pandemic to connect. Last year. Last year. Now, 2020. Sorry. Yeah, 2020. As a result of the pandemic to help people connect via video. So we offer videos as gifts videos to help your marketing and, and it's a, a video software platform but the the two are similar in the fact that they we had to create a new buying habit so mm. we had to explain to people what the product was and get them buying it but I think the key differences that I've found this time around is that Smiley Booth because it was a higher purchase product right and it was a higher price point you mean yes right and it was an obvious audience as yeah. in like you're going to a wedding show, you're going to get the right people for your business because you're, you're there in the right place. Whereas say it can be all things to all people in lots of ways. Um, I've found that getting the eyes on say it is harder because 
one, it's all things for people, but two, it's it's a, such a lower price point. Yeah. So every time you're getting a sale, you can't take that chunk of deposit it or money that volume. we had to put back into the pot, you know, yeah. and and get your marketing value going because it, it, it's a lower price point. It, it's that's harder to do. I I think. Oh, it requires volume, yeah. definitely, and the challenge would say it as well. And this is a. Um, I don't want it to be a cautionary tale, but it is a caution to anybody that's got a product or service out there that they're trying to push, is you have to niche down on your audience. You have to determine what they call as market fit, right? So what market do you want this service to solve the problem for? And be very specific on that. Especially when you are bootstrapping, yeah. yeah absolutely. And it's one of the... I mean, it's, you, you mentioned 3D printing earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, when we got... We were introduced to 3D printing when it first came out, God, 11 years ago or however long ago it was, 12 years ago, probably longer. Um, I remember going to a sh- one of the first shows I had in London about it and we were being sold, the idea of getting 3D printing and everything yeah. else. And that was an all things to all people. It could yeah. do everything. Yeah. And it never really gained the traction or it didn't for years and years just purely because no one could quite understand what market fit is. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's definitely important but the the traffic is i think the biggest thing yeah well once you've identified your market fit then you can start banging the drum to that market to get the traffic and and then take it to another market once you've built that that absolutely because and and getting traffic doesn't necessarily mean that you personally have to go and speak to thousands of people to get like we say it it's not like we're going out to thousands of people and saying use us for your birthday because that would be that would be a ludicrous waste of time, <laughs> right? But what we are doing is we're going to individuals that have audiences already, who have yeah. groups already, who are sat in a position of influence, that if they if we can add enough value to them, they'll then share that with their audience. Yeah. So it's you can get traffic in smarter ways than just, oh, I'm just gonna buy this yeah. or yeah. And again, working out your conversion rate and your customer acquisition as to what talking to that person is going to give you. Yeah, when they turn around and say, well, I'm not really interested, it's like, well, what would make you interested? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what number are we talking about? Yeah. Or what experience would make this interesting? Exactly, yeah. So retention mm. is another thing that's kind of based on lifetime value and referrals is how long can you hold on to your customer? How long do they stay with you? How many, um, not kind of repeat bookings do you get, but how loyal are your customers really? Yeah, 100%. So you're, um, I can't remember, there was some numbers given once about how much more it costs to get a new customer than it does to keep an existing one. Mm. And, I don't know the numbers, but it's, I know that it's like seven times more. Really? Yeah, I was reading that on. Uh, I don't know the numbers, but here's a number. No, 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 I think I don't know the, the monetary figure. <laughs> oh, I see. But, oh, but yeah. it's, uh, it's seven times more. Yeah, yes. so, but that, yeah, definitely ties into your lifetime value. Yeah. And, I think when we start out in business or in anything we do, we think about it's very easy just to get really excited about one sale, and you've got to get over that very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're you you can't constantly and we made that mistake in business, didn't we? Where everything was just about how many sales can we make, and it was basically like starting from the beginning every month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you've got to try and be, build some kind of repeat business. Yeah. Um or residual income in yeah. into your business. There's loads of different ways that you can you can do that. Um there's very few businesses where you can't do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, always try and find some kind of repeat business in there. Good. 
Agreed. And then measure how long you retain them for. Yes. <laughs> um, profit margin is an obvious one, but so many people don't do it. Mm. Um, we've said, I'll, I'll keep them fairly nameless, but we've said to family members with businesses, haven't we? So what's your profit margin on that then? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, it always surprised me. When I used to be, to back when we, uh, before we started in business, um, I used to be in corporate banking and... I was always astonished when I used to meet business owners of multi-million pound companies and um, they'd have no idea what their profit was going to be for that year. But even when they did have an idea, it always, I found it astonishing how small the profit margin was, like their net profit. Yeah. It's very common for most businesses to be functioning on a couple of percent or 5% net profit margin. And when you look at, when you go online and you look at the industry standards, yeah. like for, they'll give you like, 20% profit margin in a business is really good, like yeah. net profit margin. And don't get tied up with gross profit. No. Um, it's yeah, your about, net that's, yeah, that's what you Yeah, I was about to say, well, you, need, you need to know both. Your gross profit, so that's obviously all your cost per sales, um, but you need the very, very final figure after yeah. everything else that's happened. And, and I think um, business owners, especially those kind of, I don't know, mid-range businesses where, mm. um, you know, you've got a team in place, you've got an accountant, you've got that kind of thing, um, or a bookkeeper as well, as well as an accountant, so that you're not that close to the figures anymore as you yeah. would be when you first start. Um, and it's very easy to get involved with everything else and all the other fires that you've got to put out and just see the kind of overview. You're just kind of like glancing at your balance sheet once a month yeah. or once a quarter and you're not really drilling down on those numbers. And I, I know a business owner that I was chatting to recently um, a, a friend of mine and, and somebody had been kind of doing them over in the business uh, for yeah. a long time. For a lot of money. A lot of money she hadn't noticed because she'd just seen the kind of top line figures. Yeah. So you really got to know those numbers. Yeah, you have to ignore turnover. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, turnover is important because that's, that's your overall sales number. But fundamentally, if you buy a car for a million pounds and you sell it for a million and five pounds... You've only made five pounds, yeah. providing that the sale didn't cost you anything to deliver it, yeah. right? So, turn there's that whole thing with turnover being vanity and and profit, profit sanity, sanity and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um. So focus heavily on okay. Well, what's the actual outcome? Because you see it in uh, trade shows. We mentioned trade shows before earlier in this episode where. People go, oh, well, I did all right. And I was, it's like, well, what's all right? You yeah. spent X amount to see so many people. How much profit is that going to net you at the end? Yeah. And yeah, profit, profit, profit. That's yeah, well, it, that's a good example of trade shows, actually, because it took us a while to work that out with Smiley Boots, didn't it? That when we used to do the big trade shows, mm. the um, the uh, international, uh, the national wedding shows, not more recently, but back in the day when we used to do them, when we'd pay several thousand for a stand, yeah. we'd always work, walk away with like 30, 40 bookings, which yeah. is great. But once we'd worked that out, uh, uh, because you normally have to do some kind of discount because everybody's doing a discount. Yeah, so you've got to count that as part of your cost for acquisition. So if you're taking 50 quid off your service, if your service costs up 500 quid and you take 50 quid off as a discount, that's part of your mark. That discount is part of your marketing yeah, cost. Yeah, exactly. And although we did all right from them, it wasn't a break even. We did do fairly well. It, we worked out how much we were actually paying per to get each booking. Each customer, yeah. we were just like, and it's so exhausting and everything else that we were like, this isn't worth it. Well, and what was really interesting <laughs> is when we rolled that out to the franchisees. So yeah. we would um, organize the national shows on behalf when we could do national shows. <laughs> um, obviously, in current times, that's not possible, but. 
we as franchisors would organize them to go to like the national wedding show and you would see the people that understood their numbers in the franchise network and the people that wouldn't yeah like they like who would and the people that wouldn't would be like, oh yeah, but I've got to give up a weekend to do a national or wedding like, show. Do, do you pay for the lunches as well? Yeah, it's um, like, no. Big time. <laughs> what are you saying? So a national wedding show could cost anywhere, like, could cost up to seven grand yeah. to do one weekend. So to deliver, um, so you'd have to do a lot of bookings, get a lot of bookings to make that that worthwhile over a weekend. And what we, we always did was, we we would pay the lion's share. We would organise well, we the would shows. We partner with the shows, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. we we put a chunk of change in. We yeah. negotiate a deal, and then all the franchisees would have to do is pay about one hundred and fifty quid to attend the show. Yeah, right. So their number of sales they would have to make over a weekend was tiny, yeah. um, to to make it a worthwhile exercise. But and you would see that in some of the network where they'd be like, just get me a show. The next show, I want it. I'm going to sell so many, and it's because the cost per acquisition is just tiny. Yeah. And all this kind of stuff. And then you get the other ones that were just like, I really have to give up a weekend. And it's like, oh, I'd rather go and pay for this. And their cost per acquisition would be way higher yeah, doing yeah. some other methods. Yeah. So, yeah, understanding that. What was the point that you had there? I feel like we've just gone off tech. No. Your, wasn't cost per acquisition though, is it? No, profit margin. Profit margin. Yeah. 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 So when you discount, that's part of your marketing yeah. costs. And then you've got your marketing costs on top. Yeah. So. And they're right to a point in terms of like the, the lunches. I, I know I'm kind of tongue in cheek with that, but you do have to account for your lunches, your fuel to get yeah. there, your, if you've had to pay for a hotel. That's important to clarify all those costs. But yeah, it, it was just um, a little bit of a difficult pill for us to swallow when, when we paid thousands <laughs> when we used to do it ourselves and they were hardly having to pay anything for, this, for, for the, the same, same opportunity. For the same opportunity, yeah. yeah. And it, but it's... Uh, <laughs> another episode to talk about employee mindset and business mindset yes. we have talked about we talked about something like that in the past but yeah it's interesting seeing the way people work but we would meet people at the national wedding shows who had spent a huge amount of money and have no idea what the profit margins were. oh yeah that used to break my heart in some ways I, I remember there being a um, stand next to us one year um that was um the price point, I can't remember, it was some kind of stationary type thing. It was a new idea. It was a fun, novel idea. Um, but the, the, you know, the price point for whatever it was that she was selling was so low. And I kind of did the maths in my head as to the size of the stand she had. And she'd done this beautiful display. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, my God, you've got to sell so much to just get anywhere with this. Yeah. Um, and the mistake is with some of these shows is people think, oh, it's OK, because I'm getting... Exposure. Uh, exposure and yeah. that's how the shows are sold so we're going off on a bit of a tangent but it's an important tangent uh, they sell it on the basis of oh, we get x number of thousand people turn up at this show over a weekend so you'll get all this exposure it's like really it's do you yeah. <laughs> it's because if, if you put yourself in the place of one of the people attending the show they're they're hit by so much information yeah. as they go around they're not going to remember you yeah, yeah. and and, and if, if you, sorry, just to the point there, if you are looking at it from an exposure point of view, make sure you use everything yeah. because these shows do offer things like, you know, a, um, a page on the website or shout outs on social media or a few things that come with it. And so many people don't utilize that enough. Or negotiate it. Yeah. Like it's like if, if you're negotiating with a trade show, I mean, this is something for the future, not in January yeah. of 2021, but if you're negotiating, you should be negotiating. Okay. Are you going to publish me on your social media pages? Yeah. Can I be in your leaflets? Can I be in... Like, you've got to or push bags, hard. Or can I have a poster somewhere? Or whatever it is. Yeah. 
But I mean, if you're looking at purely exposure, then digital is probably your way. Yeah. Because you can get impressions for. And you can measure it. Yeah, and you'll get impressions. So, i.e., people seeing your business for pennies versus pound, tens of pounds. Yeah, on and, the show. and just a top tip on that as well that if there is a show, again, not now, but a physical show that you would want to be doing, but you don't actually do, you can still benefit from that traffic just from a few cheeky. Uh, social media campaigns and marketing campaigns where people go to the show yeah. and then they, they've seen a great photo booth company and they can't remember the name of it. So then they go, photo booth at such and such show. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then you come up. And then you come up. Because you've written a handy little blog. <laughs> exactly. Talking exactly that. Exactly. So, um, yeah, there's loads of little strategies that, where you don't miss out. Yeah, very much so. Next one. Um, Break-even point. Right. That's... Um, one for the new ones, really, um, or if you're releasing like a new product or a new service or a new package or something like that, you know, working out <clears throat> the point at which you break even um, on your on your marketing costs, on your promotion, etc., um, is a really important metric, right? Because it, it could be in a week, it could be months, it, it could be years, as we said earlier. Well, a lot of uh, a lot of startups normally, if they've broken even within the first twelve months, that's considered really good. And when we look at our, when we talk to new franchise recruits for Smiley Booth, Photo Booth Hire, when we're um, when we're going through the whole thing with that, we've seen our franchisees hit break even mm. within like two three months. Yeah, like there, there's so. Even Everybody, after investing in the franchise fee and all of the equipment and everything, yeah. Exactly. So, it, obviously, every business is different, but I suppose at the end of the day, understanding your break-even is also understanding everything that goes into delivering the service yeah. and making a profit, right? So, it's one of the advantages of franchises yeah. because they've already got that if you're starting a business and you're buying a franchise, you've already got all of that worked out. Yeah. All the systems are in place to deliver the service, the product, the marketing materials, everything mm. is in play whereas when you're like let's say it for example it's very difficult to ascertain break even yeah because we're finding market fit um and there's constant development going development on so a lot higher than i expected yeah so i would say the reason why startups often don't hit their break even as soon as they'd like is because so much of their money is being plowed back into the business yeah. And you've got to remember, especially if you own something like a limited company or something in the UK, um, if you like, a lot of people take strategies of taking dividends instead mm -hmm. of a wage out of their company. Well, that's all out of the profits of the business, mm -hmm. and you don't make a profit until you've broken even. Yeah. So, and for anybody that's entirely new to business and doesn't understand what we're talking about, break even is the point where your income meets the your expenses yeah. like that's the line that's it once you've broken through there theoretically everything beyond that point is profit mm -hmm. um and that can take a long time so that can be your staff and that but that can also be you as as a member of staff if you do need to to take a wage obviously to put food on the table then you can count that within your break even well and that's a mistake that you and i used to make yeah like long time ago now yeah. but we used to read all of these books and mm -hmm. watch these like dragon's den and yeah. all this kind of stuff and you'd see these people just putting their heart and soul and lives into their business and they get and you'd have like one of the dragons saying well i don't expect you to take any money out yeah. and and it would be like oh you hear these entrepreneurs that have built these businesses and they're like oh i never take any money out of it i didn't earn a penny out of it until it was like 
until two years in or three years yeah. in. The reality is most people listening to this podcast will either be starting out or in some form of small to medium-sized business. Yeah. And as such, that's their, that's what keeps the roof over exactly, the head of things. Yeah, exactly. So the way income works in business, when you're starting out a business, it's like, well, the business needs to have an individual delivering certain aspects of its service. So for example, you, you might need a social media specialist yeah. to, to do stuff. Well, if the business, if you can do that to meet the business's needs, then subsequently you should be reimbursed for that activity. Yeah. It might need a salesperson. Subsequently, you should be reimbursed for that. So income yeah. for the business owner is that. But then well, there's dividends. Yeah, right? but I was going to say, especially if you're self-employed and you're not a limited company. Oh, sorry. You the, mean in UK terms, sole yes. trader yeah. or partnership? Yeah. Yeah, which is about as close to employed as you can get. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to be earning an income from that, but but you've just got to be careful of, of switching your time for money. As a business owner, you really want to be trying to build that business into something that that is operational by itself without you being the social media person and the blog writer and the person that goes and packages up the products in the back office or whatever which as you start that is exactly what you are I mean you, you wear all the hats but you've got to aim to to not do those things well we you limit it yeah I mean there's that famous saying which is you don't own a business you own a job yeah. if, if you've got no systems or anything like that but the reality is when you're starting up you don't even it's, you, that's not even a you, you have a number of jobs. You, there's yeah. not, you don't just own a job. You yeah. probably own five people's jobs. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, um, and you're probably doing them all pretty like badly because <laughs> you just don't have any time. And yeah. that's the reality of startups, yeah. right? It's, it's like we talked about in previous episodes that you're, it's a scrappy game for most, yeah. most startups. But that's not to say that that doesn't lead to success or no. there's not opportunity in that. But, yeah, this um, this concept that you shouldn't pay yourself as a business mm. owner and it's kind of is is just nonsense. And um, the reality is, you're for most people starting out, they're creating a business to make some money to put food on the table or keep yeah. a roof over the head, especially in the current climate. Yeah. Um, just do your research, though. You mentioned sole traders and things like that. There's different ways to do business or different legal structures. And this probably isn't the episode to go into those in too much detail. We did detail. cover that in one episode. Yeah, a little bit. I can't remember was. when that was now. No, one of the earlier ones. Yeah, it was a very early one, I believe. But um, uh, but choosing the way your business is, is very important. So because the difference between, say, for example, being a sole trader, which is literally, oh, I go out and I paint houses, just for argument's sake. Well, that's, that is as bad, if not worse, as being employed in terms of tax-wise. Mm. It's, it's, it's incredibly punitive. So, whereas having a limited company is better and so mm. on. And some people think, oh, I shouldn't have a limited company until, until my business is at X and all this kind of stuff. Just, this isn't the episode to go into that, but certainly get some advice around yeah. that. And, and that does tie into break-even because you need to be as tax-efficient as possible yeah. when your company starts making some money because otherwise... You can be handing over big chunks of your yeah, money yeah. that you just worked the last 18 months to earn to the tax man. Yeah, exactly. So, break even point. <laughs> break even, yeah. Um, open rate. So this is much more of a, a marketing one. Open rate, click-through rate um, differs slightly to conversion rate because that's somebody actually making the sale, a lot, in, in my opinion. I mean, you can, you could call conversion rate, as you said, there's loads of different ways to do it. So you could 
class that as open rate yeah or if somebody's clicked on something but but this is it should be a kind of separate metric metric i think because okay. i think the conversion should more be about actually converting them into your business into your cus- as as a customer um, yeah i agree i see conversion as as the I see conversion as the giving of something by the other party. Yeah, you are converting them yeah, into they something. Are, yeah, they're either giving you a piece of information yeah. or they're transacting with you in some way. Yeah. Like that's how I that's how I see a conversion. It's yeah. something that where a complete stranger is giving you something of value. Yes. But open rate and click through rates are um, you know, the actual advert or your email that you've sent out or some kind of marketing literature because that then you know it works yeah. you know you've got the the traffic from earlier we talked about the traffic numbers um so you've got this big traffic number but how many people are seeing that and then clicking on it yeah agreed it's um there's an exercise i'm doing at the moment with the financial firm that i was talking um earlier in this episode about and um we're building in an email campaign yeah. in in into one of their strategies and i'm educating them around the tolerances around e- like yeah. click through rates and open rates and all this kind of yeah. stuff, so that they can manage their own expectations. And you, well, and you can Google those those that data based on your industry because it does vary slightly per industry as to yeah. what's a good open rate, what's a good click through rate, and per platform as well. So yeah. you know, Facebook's click through rates will be different to LinkedIn's click through rates, but all that data is out there just for free on Google. So just Google your industry and what platform that you're using and so that you can get a measure as to what you're aiming for. Yeah, and they're not just, and you might be thinking, well, okay, that just sounds like wishy-washy marketing things to know about. Is, is it really that important? It's absolutely really important because if you're, if you're one of those click-through rates or open rates is, is particularly low, that's an indicator that what you're sending out, it's particularly poor. It's yeah. not resonating with your with the audience yeah. so you need to make an amendment to either who you're sending to or what you're sending and so having an idea as to um yeah what the to- what you sh- your expectations should be completely informs the actions that you take yeah it's it's not just some it's fixing the holes, some random metric you know, you've yeah got, you've got all these kind of buckets that all pour into each other you know marketing is often these are referred to as a funnel and we will do a whole episode on that but I kind of don't see it as a straight funnel like that I see lots of in my head I always see kind of buckets falling into each other if you've got a hole in one of those buckets you're obviously not going to get the customers into the next bit yeah (laughs) and often that hole in the bucket is is something really simple it's like you said something in a paragraph in an email that you shouldn't have said or you went on too long a bit like Amanda's so in Amanda's uh, interview yesterday when we were going on about PR, one of the things that she said was when people send emails to, to for press releases to these journalists, they're way too long. Yeah. So if so it would be good to know as the person that's writing those emails to journalists to understand well, what's the open rates and the click through rates on average when I send emails to journalists? Yes. And if I'm getting none, yeah, then is it because my emails are just way too long yeah, and they need to be yeah. way shorter? It's yeah. a, that's a good example of why click-through rates and open rates are really yeah. clear. They, yeah. they, they make it really obvious. Yeah, and if you, you are getting a bad open rate or, or whatever, or in the journalist example, you know, you're getting people not come back to you. I mean, I, I had one, I, I think I mentioned it in another episode, that um, I'd sent a pitch to a journalist that was requiring something that, that we fitted to the T, yeah. you know, he, uh, he wanted a, 
um, somebody that had been infect- affected by the um, by COVID in the events industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tick. Yeah. <laughs> they pivoted to do something else, tick. Um, and I think it was even a relationship, wasn't it? As yeah, well, yeah, so yeah. we were a husband and wife team. It was like, we ticked all the boxes and then sent this pitch and didn't get anything back or got a, I'll think about it or something like that. And so I did just write to him and said like, you know, what's the problem? And he, and he, he said, there's no problem, you pitched fine. It's just I've got some other ones that might be a bit more suitable. I'm keeping you in mind kind yeah. of thing. So if you are getting low responses or whatever, you know, get feedback. Do do try and get other eyes, as Amanda said yesterday, get other eyes on your stuff to give you some information because you're, you're too close to it a lot of the time. Yeah, and you have to, as a business owner, you have to start becoming more attuned to all of these these key numbers that we're talking about because it's a deep frustration of mine personally when I talk to business owners who um, who just ignore these these types of numbers, mm. they don't think it's for them. And and they, oh, I do it my way. And, oh, I like my personality to come through in my emails. And I like it to look a certain way because I think then people really... And my first response when people say it to me is, well, how's business in? <laughs> yeah. How much are you selling at the moment? Yeah. And and they go, oh, I'm doing all right. Well, what's your, what's your number? I have no idea. Yeah. So it feels all right, I'm doing all right though. And the problem with working from that framework is that you're always judging your business by how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. So when times are good, you feel great. When times are bad, you feel awful, <laughs> yeah. you know? And and you hope and then suddenly you might get a lucky curveball and things go and things go better again and you feel great again. It's yeah. like that's an awful short term way to run business. The numbers take the um the emotion out of it. Well, look at Siam. Yeah, makes it a lot more just facts and figures and much more like a chess game, you know, it's just... just... It's more than that. It's grown up. (laughs) You know, it's like, let's stop being a baby and childish about running a business. You're getting on your soapbox again. I am being, yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) But it it infuriates, you know I'm the numbers, like the the bit out of the two of us, but I just think the the world's hard enough, right? Mm -hmm. Life's hard enough without without expecting your business to, to look after you all the time. That's yeah. not its job. It's your job as the director of your company or whatever it is, is is to make that business grow and, and make the right choices for it and for its customers. It's right? dealership, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. And when I said I will look at Siam just a second ago, Siam's very analytical. He looks at all of the numbers. He looks at the risk, he looks at risk reward and, and he makes very clear judgments. And it's no coincidence that... He's had enormous success yeah. in recent years through arguably some really challenging times, right? Yeah. And and the people that I see that run purely by emotion, entirely ignore the numbers, never grow anything. Yes. I've never seen a successful, happy, yeah. like competent entrepreneur that's just I'm, emotionally driven. Yeah, and end up blaming the kind of well, obviously COVID <laughs> does take a lot of blame at the moment, but generally yeah, usually, like yeah. the the out everything out there you know not not because they've never looked inward and it doesn't depend on them i'm not saying that but they've they've not looked at their numbers they've not looked closely at anything they just have this as you say feeling um as to oh it's because everybody's dropped their prices so i had to drop mine or it's because there's you know a recession on at the moment or it's because whatever yeah but even then <laughs> like when they say everybody's dropped their numbers it's like okay well let's see your data yeah, yeah, who's everybody? Again, it's just a feeling. Yeah, right? I guarantee it's like three people mm. that they've seen and they've yeah. gone, oh, well, they have. Yeah. So, well, okay, what about the rest? Yeah. What about the three that I haven't? Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's that 
and I get it. We all like we're all human. So when things are going wrong or things are are, are just off, you need to find a reason for it. But the problem is. And it's not to say these are bad people or stupid people or anything like that that purely run from emotion. It's just that they haven't learned any other way. Yeah. So when they're looking for a reason, they're, they're looking for a reason within that paradigm of, well, I feel like this. Yeah. So this, this thing over here makes me feel like this. So it might, that must be the reason. Whereas if you look at numbers yeah. and, and understand what your headline numbers should be and how they're off and everything else, it's the the thing that we always say in business is it's like pulling levers in the business. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh right, okay, well that one's wrong, so we need to pull that pull that one back a bit, yeah. maybe. And this one's okay, this one's doing really well, so let's push that forward a bit. And and that's well, all it gives it is. you because because you say oh, just when things are going bad, but it's the opposite. You know, when things are going good, why are they going good? Again, look at the numbers. Oh, yeah. Look at where the customs coming from look at what advertising is working really well for you you know well, so then you can just rinse and repeat <laughs> massively I, i'll always remember I, I remember when we were we were right at the start of that uh, so early in this episode i talked about the fact that we took smiley booth photo booth hire and we effectively tripled the turnover of that within 18 months and i remember at the start of that curve that big launch that we were going through where we we got the marketing right, we got the sales process right, we got the service delivery right, and it was just doing this rocket. And I remember sitting down with Martin Norbury, who was advising us at the time, giving us some, t- uh, just coaching us basically yeah. in business. And uh, highly recommend you check him out; he's a great guy. Um, and um, and I was saying, yeah, we're putting money in here, Martin, and and it's converting there, and then we get and our sales conversions this. And we're getting this many sales, and look at our bookings, it's doing this. And I remember him stopping and saying, Lee, you know when you're doing all right, when you're trying to work out, how can I spend 10 grand? Because we were spending like three or four grand a month on marketing. Yeah. And he was like, you know when you're doing it right, when you're desperately trying to figure out a way to spend 10 grand a month? Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, that's it. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. right. We've got the systems right. We know what metrics we're looking for. You just how do I tap on. Exactly. Yeah. How do we make it 10 grand a month yeah, spend? Yeah. How can I make it 100 grand a month spend? Yeah. Because you know that. For every pound you spend there, you get X amount of pound out the back. Yeah. And and that's the beauty of all of these numbers. Yeah, and when yeah. you remove emotion from all of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So there's your open rate and click-through rate. Um, and the last one is a, is a little bit of a curveball, is actually your connections. So we've talked a lot about, and loads of our episodes, about how um, the the kind of foundation of business is people yes. and connecting with people and making new connections. And that now in January, 2021, it's more, more so than ever yeah. because people are reaching out to each other. People are on Zoom all the time. People have got more time. Um, people are, are scratching around for new ways of doing things, pivoting, creating new businesses in lots of ways. It's an exciting time. Yeah. So I put this one in here because it's how many new connections are you making? You know, every day you should be reaching out to new people, finding new ways of, of work, collaborating with somebody, working on an idea with some, someone and just having conversations. And they're not all going to be beneficial. You, no. you know, you're going to get the old one when you think, oh, that wasn't the right person for me. Yeah, but, but that might not be the right, that might be the right person, but the wrong time. There might be yeah. something down the road that comes But also it. It, they might be the wrong person for you, but they might know somebody that's yeah. the right person for you. When, and, you know, you've had that conversation and they go off and have another conversation and they might think, oh yeah, that's a good fit for that person yeah. I spoke to yesterday or last month or whatever to have conversations and record them 
Uh, I was listening to a podcast episode the other day and, you know, podcasters are obviously very good at this because the whole thing is built on connection. Yeah. Um, yeah and it's strange. We had no idea, did we? No. Until we entered into doing this podcast, we yeah. had no idea what a strong community yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and podcasters know that, that obviously mm. they're, they're the lifeblood of their of their podcasting, whether it's a business or a hobby for people, it's still connections. Um, and they have spreadsheets, you know, for this person, I met them here, or I, you know, found out about them here, I follow them on these channels, we really? had this conversation on this day. They have to, yeah. because they've got so many yeah. that, you know, they, they don't want to end up saying the wrong thing to the wrong person just because they've got so many conversations going on. Yeah, so. well, you and I have said in the past that we've we historically we've always hidden behind the companies that we've run. Mm-hmm. Like we've always felt that you and I having a a presence or a persona outside of our roles within our company just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. We, it's just it just let the comp let the work and the company stand for itself. Yeah. And I would say since we started this podcast and just before that, our um the connections we're making, the regular, like every week yeah. we're building new relationships and talking to new people and talking yeah. to more people. Um, it's really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's really rewarding. It's tiring. Yeah. I mean, we said at the beginning of this episode that we've been running at a million miles an hour today. Yeah. But that's partly because we've been back and forth with quite a few people today. Yeah. And, um, but I love it. I think that it, that's what we need as human beings, yeah. right? That, you kind of feed off other people's energy. They give you ideas. Yeah. It's great. But I think if you were building a company previously, and I don't mean like a small kind of local business where the person behind the business has always been key and and, yeah. and it should be not a personality as such, but should be a persona for the business. Right. Well, um, their value should go into the business. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm talking like high street shop. So, yeah. you know, the, the butcher or something, you'll know who owns the butcher's shop or whatever. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but when what we were trying to build with Smiley Booth, because we were trying to build it or were building it across the country, mm-hmm. I think we kind of saw it as almost, I know it, this sounds high and mighty, but because it wasn't this, but <laughs> like almost like a corporation where yeah. you're not supposed to see the face of the business. It's supposed to be its own thing. And I think we made a mistake there. Because... Well, I think that's a partly as a consequence of my job like because i was in yeah, corporate banking corporate, yeah i i had a corporate idea of what smiley booth should be yeah. in terms of we should have this company and then we should have and then we should have all these systems and teams yeah, and yeah and everything else and then that should be that and because when you work for in banking there's not a mr banker no <laughs> there probably is but well, there used to be back in the day yeah but, but yeah not when so you work now. for like barclays or yeah. lloyd's or hsbc or somebody like that there's not a Mr. HSBC or a no. Mr. whatever. So, and I th- I definitely think that that hindered us because some yeah. of the best people we know in the events industry are, are front and centre of what their, their company is. Yes. Like they're, they're indistinguishable yes. between... the. Um, there's a few company names I can think of off the top of my head where I can't think of the company name without thinking of the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas it was very easy to think of Smiley Booth and not think of you and I. Absolutely, yeah. For many people. Because yeah. they were like, well, who's who are Lee and Kate? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're starting out, yeah, the number of connections you're making, I think that's a really good one to have in this. The number of connections you're having, making and, and keeping and building is super important. I mean, how many times do you see it on LinkedIn? Yeah. Where people are regularly posting, regularly connecting. feels like they're talking to everybody all yeah, the time, yeah. you know? 
And, and I remember powerful. we did completely the opposite. I remember us like culling our Facebooks because we didn't yeah. want to, to be involved with that many people. And um, and with the business, I remember you would always be like, well, I can't answer the phone because then, then that's <laughs> me. You know, somebody else has to answer the phone because the business owner shouldn't be answering the phone and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. It's and, funny how you have these preconceived ideas, yeah. isn't it? It's like... You had this. I had this idea of it would be unprofessional for me as the director yeah. of Smiley Booth to be answering just a phone call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I should be one of the team answering that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's ludicrous, really. Um, in now, now I, look I think back at I it. think things have. I, I think we did make mistakes, definitely. Um, yeah, but I also think things have changed. I think people are more are wanting to know more about the people in the business. It's people are becoming hungry for that um, genuine, authentic connection with the business nowadays. Well, I think also it's um, it's easier. It's a lot easier to be like to to be a to demonstrate your values and to have a voice. Yeah. In twenty twenty one. But you, I think you're was, expected to because of social media and stuff. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. when you go back, if you think about when we were when we first ever started getting into business was early two thousands. Yeah. Well, there was no real social media piece no, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So. It was very easy to to have an idea of business as being, oh, well, this is how the corporates do it. Yes. So this is how I should do yeah. it. And um, I mean, even to the point where you walk into your local shop, yeah. you wouldn't see the shop owner, you'd see the shop assistant. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So there was this constant messaging going on that, oh, no, you, you shouldn't be front yeah, and centre. Kind of but I'd say from 2007, 2008 onwards, yeah. there's been a steady trickle of, Completely opposite. Completely. Well, everything has to be a personality now, doesn't it? You can't be a sportsman without being a sports personality. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you, you can't be um, a, a business owner without, or brand owner really, without being the personality behind it. You, all of it, even like um, chefs have to be a personality and have their own like restaurant chain yeah. almost. And all. Do you know what I mean? I think it, it's, it's very much about personal brands now. Yeah, because people want to get to know the people behind the idea, the, yeah. the, the people behind the like, who created this thing. Yeah. And that's, we've always wanted that because if you think about, we've, we've got an idea who the guy behind McDonald's is. We've got yeah. an idea behind KFC, behind Disney and all that kind yeah. of stuff. They've, they've kind of, that all resonates. I think, and if, like, there's probably people listening or watching this thinking, well, God, I don't want to be a big personality. I don't want to be like have to dress a certain way, or <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like or wear like or say it or behave in a certain way. But you don't have to be that, as you can clearly see by me. Okay, it's like <laughs> yeah. the, the the way we talk on this show, and the and the way we behave is exactly how we behave in yeah. like all yeah. day long. Exactly. Like this is no different. It's just and it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have something of value to give. Yeah. I mean, I do see certain business owners, and I won't mention their names, but they come from a, let's say, more show-type background. Mm-hmm. And and they do bring that to their presentation style when they're on camera. Yeah. And you can see it. And to me, when I see that, and um, it, there's a disconnect for me. It's, yeah. It's it doesn't, yeah. it feels like it's a show. Yeah. And I don't think that's what really people want no. nowadays. I think people have become very sophisticated at understanding when someone... And you see it on network. Like, we do the odd networking stuff. And um, and you can tell when you're on these networking meetings, yeah. when someone's on, right now I'm on show. Yeah. You it's, can see when it's, not, when it's not, it. not authentic. So I don't... I think 
just to take your point further when you said anyone listening going oh I'm not personality in that I don't think you can be a shy violet in business nowadays God I think no. you do need to step up and uh, and the world is networking and video calls and and I think that's one of the benefits of 2020 everyone has kind of got used to video whether they like it or not because you've had to through through you know video calls and stuff well we didn't like it no exactly you know that was that it, if there are people going, oh, well, you guys are all right on camera or you guys are all right on video calls or presenting us. Yeah. No. It that is was something that was yeah. very uncomfortable, it's wasn't it? It's definitely something you get used to. But but I do think you could be an introvert. Um, you know, there's there's often kind of debates about extroverts and introverts. You can definitely be an introvert and still be in business and still be on camera and talking because I wouldn't class myself as an extrovert at all. I wouldn't class Elon Musk as an extrovert. No, exactly. Right. I would say Elon Musk, if you were ever going to call out an a, uncomfortable person to have a conversation who's very introvert it's him yeah. right but i on a daily basis and i don't even follow him but on a daily basis there's normally something that gets chucked at me yeah. some piece of content about elon musk yeah because he recognized that you need to be up front yeah. you need to be exactly. out there all the time exactly yeah so it is if you hate it it is something you need to get comfortable with and there are lots of video coaches and things nowadays as well that, that can get you used to well public speaking coaches video coaches um talk just speaking coaches in general so there's lots of and the, the book um talk like ted is really good as well well it's that thing we've said on a, a million episodes well on a... <laughs> You're only done 17. I was going to say, you're overrigging it a little bit there. A little bit. Okay. On several... How long will it take us to get to, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get a lot older. Um, On several episodes is that it's all about personal development at the end of the day. So what kind of person would you need to be to be able to do that thing that, that moves the needle for your business and in your life? And then what steps do you need to take to be that, become that person. Yeah. It's like none of us are fully formed, as I've said uh, a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of business, right? You're It forces you into a position where you have to develop yourself. You have to work on your weak points and, and your gaps mm. and everything else. And great, all the better for it. Definitely. Right, I'm just going to run through these quickly. <laughs> Not all over again, just, just the headlines. So conversion rate, lifetime value, Customer acquisition costs, referrals and referrers, who are your top referring people or, or um, affiliates, mm-hmm. uh, traffic, retention, um, profit margin, which is both gross profit margin and net profit, um, your break even point, whether that's a new business or like a new project or something like that, um, your open rates and click through rates on your marketing and how many connections you're making, whether that's like a daily or weekly or however you want to measure it. So that is our top 10, what what would you call it? Top 10 business metrics to be aware of in 21. That's long winded. Yeah, that sounds like amazing copy. <laughs> yeah, we um, won't be using that. <laughs> I'll come up with something fast and as yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, but I yeah, think... be aware of them. <laughs> yes. So that's episode 17. Um, I was going to say have a good day all, but it's... Although you might be listening to this in the morning. Yes. So I'm going to say have a good day all. <laughs> Bye. Bye.